I don't know if you saw DeAndre Baker. I think Fox 5 out of Atlanta caught him post-game. His first thing was, well, they know who I am now. Mm-hmm. And then he said, the only Debo I know got knocked out by Craig, which is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing! With a large amount of national media focused on the dog's trip to Columbia this year, many of those TV personalities and writers tabbed the Gamecocks to upset Georgia, or at least for South Carolina to cover the 10-point spread. It didn't happen. Within three minutes, Georgia had built up a two-touchdown lead thanks to a pick-six by DeAndre Baker and a 17-yard touchdown run by DeAndre Swift. All the dogs had to do after that was to wear down USC's offensive and defensive lines, and it was over. 41-10, and Georgia wins their fourth straight versus the Cox. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 146 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined on this quick post-game show by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, as we share our thoughts on George's impressive dismantling of Will Muschamp's crew in Columbia. And no need to try and stretch this intro out any longer. Let's just jump on into it. Here's Will to kick us off. All right, gentlemen, I'll have you know uh, what I lack in having watched this game as it went on, because my sister, not from Athens, Georgia, and therefore not realizing that the Georgia-South Carolina game was at the exact same time, as her wedding, I, what I lack in that, I can make up for with my prognostication abilities because this was the one that I got right. I felt that they were going to turn on the speed and burn these guys, and, man, that kind of looks like what happened. It was amazing, and I was thinking that through the game. And what struck me, and I know we'll get into the details in a minute. Scott, I don't know if you noticed this. We held the ball the last nine minutes and 58 seconds of the game. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but I did hear that stat. I think they said that was the longest we've ever held the ball without scoring. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. And what what was amazing about it to me is in the moment, of course, because South Carolina didn't call timeouts. They were like, just just stop hitting us. They were in the corner in a ball, just like, okay, maybe the bear will leave me alone. And, you know, as that drove progressed, it, it never occurred to me that, it had been the vast majority of the fourth quarter. And I looked at the box stats this morning. I was like, wait a minute, that can't be right. We could have scored another touchdown. <laughs> and, and Kirby mercifully took a knee on the last, what, two or three snaps to burn the last minute and a half off the clock. I think that uh, I got my prediction wrong. Obviously, I was the one dissenter amongst the three of us who thought that the game would be close. Uh, I predicted a 25 to 23 game. And had I heard. Jake Fromm's post-game quote, when I made my pick, I would have been right in line with y'all and Kirk Herbstreet and a bunch of other national people saying they would be blown out because Jake Fromm had one of the best post-game quotes I've ever heard where he said, somebody had to pay for the preparation we do today. That was South Carolina. I mean, if that's not Kirby just installing his will and wisdom into these uh, group of young men, I don't know what is. And it was an incredible, I mean, that was a crazy quote. I don't know if you saw DeAndre Baker. I think Fox 5 out of Atlanta caught him post-game. And I think he, his first thing was, well, they know who I am now. Mm-hmm. And then he said, the only Debo I know got knocked out by Craig, which is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It did look pretty definitive. And it's funny because I was able to watch the first half because our, my, my sister's wedding started right around halftime. So we watched the first half. And – 
it's funny when they jumped at the 14-0 lead. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to roll these guys. And then South Carolina had a little, there were a couple of mistakes, and South Carolina had a little bit of a, a surge there. I saw the Rodrigo's field goal. I was like, okay, whew, all right, they got a 10 point lead. They're going to be fine. Uh, they can just kind of hold, they can just kind of coast this out now. I did not see the third quarter curb stomping, <laughs> which is basically what happened. That's the thing, though, is that I thought, again, guess what Will's going to do? He's going to quote, Talk about how good Seth Emerson's piece about this was. And it was really good because it really was definitively about the idea that we kind of talked about a lot in our preview podcast. How the instinct is always, okay, they're just going to run it down their throat. That's like this. That's the. And maybe they don't know uh, if, if Holyfield could be that guy to run up the middle. But the thing is, is this team, maybe they'll do that. They probably, I'm sure they can do that if they need to. But there's so much speed and so many playmakers that if you want to, as we saw in the third quarter, they can just blow a top 25 team, by the way, blow a top 25 team on the road off the field. You can't discount the depth Georgia has. As the game wore on, it became clear that Georgia's two still, I mean, of course they'd been standing on the sideline in the first half, but that was probably no more evident than when Andrew Thomas went down, Cade Mays comes on, and the offensive line actually got better. And here's a true freshman, right? And this is a guy that he, you know, for the, the problems we had, especially in the first half, protecting Fromm on the edges, he really tightened down on the on that, that left side. And it was really an impressive display of all coming together, the things you would hope to see out of a Georgia team that, you know, frankly had concerns about, you know, I said it would be close and then we would pull away with our depth. But, man, I, I like you, Will. I, I, I think you, you called it better than all of us. And I don't think in your wildest dreams you would have imagined quite this. And how many people were probably a little bit nervous, the typical rush out to an early lead and then let them creep back, you know, as Georgia jumps out to 14, nothing. And then South Carolina comes back and scores. Uh, it was almost a uh, felt a little bit Oklahoma esque in the Rose bowl and uh, Debo hit Edwards in the end zone uh, on that kind of, I guess, reverse pass into the end zone. He was wide open too, but I also think similar, a similarity there we go for the Rose Bowl was the terrible special teams move right at the end of the half the shanked punt by South Carolina which then let Georgia just like in the Rose Bowl get in the field goal range and let Hot Rod connect on a field goal right before half well and the closest we came to that game we're actually being in trouble was immediately there after that Debo Samuel touchdown pass from through the interception which is easily the worst throw I've seen him make in a long time, uh, probably since, what, the Missouri game maybe last year? And then they drove down and got zero yards. And, you know, once they went for it on fourth down and didn't take the points, I thought, man, they are playing panicked, and Georgia is mm-hmm. just about to get all over them, and this thing's done. Because once we held them, they got no yards after the, the punt return, I'm sorry, the interception return for and got – I mean, zero. They got nothing out of that. Whole exchange. And at that point, it was just on. It really was that kind of boat race. You know, going into the game, this is what we talked about. It's kind of my, my point about this game. It was like, wow, this is as good as it's going. This is South Carolina's best chance. That's why they're so excited about this game. That's why they're so amped about this. They feel like they are at a great moment right now in the top 25 at home, catching a Georgia team that is theoretically in transition, and therefore you might be able to grab them because it's going to be that much harder to do moving forward. Uh, if it gets harder to do for them moving forward, uh, th- I have to say – this would be a really hard thing for me, and we can we'll, we can talk a little bit uh, in the preview for Middle Tennessee State 
uh, about what else is going on in the SEC East right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly, never minding just this year, I think I think I saw the SEC Network had a stat that already Georgia is an eighty-eight percent favorite to win the SEC East with everything the way that went down. That's not, that's not just a lot for like who's actually on the team. <laughs> that's just a lot for the way it actually all gets set up and the and the and the, and the way that they break it down. Eighty-eight percent already. But that's this year. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about is once they start stacking recruiting class on recruiting class on recruiting class, that's when you get the full Alabama. That's when you get the full thing. If I'm Florida, I'm Tennessee, and specifically South Carolina, because remember, South Carolina, this has been their little window, right? Like Florida's been down a little bit and Tennessee went down a little bit and Georgia went through a coaching change. This is their opportunity to do it. And, oh, in year three, this is already happening. Uh, to, to quote from Emerson's piece, this is almost entirely a Kirby Smart recruited team now. Not entirely, but a large portion it is. And you can see that in the second and third team. One of the funny things that, that Things to think about this game is a lot of these players that were mowing over in South Carolina in the fourth quarter will redshirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of an amazing thing when you think of it that way. Some of these guys you're still going to see four years from now. Well, I mean, I think he's the, the thing that that the biggest takeaway is that like South Carolina is a good football team. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it also shows the distance between Georgia and South Carolina. Particularly when Georgia took their their best shot straight in the face with you know that it was a good drive that ended up with Debo Samuel's uh, touchdown throw, but when they thought they had to go to trickeration to score there, and then we we held them to no points when they intercepted the ball, that made a poor conclusion because you know we said the pass and frankly anybody that had any sense besides um, besides Tory Gurley and a few mm-hmm. others said, you know, look, if South Carolina's going to win, it's going to take Georgia making some mistakes. And that was the kind of mistake you, you hate to see made. You just give, you throw up a 24-yard arm punt into double coverage, and oh, by the way, your guy stopped running his route. So that's the sort of thing that makes it, uh, that makes it even more interesting as we go. And frankly, well, if we didn't have to go on the road to LSU and have Auburn as our, uh, our two West crossovers, it would be higher than 88%. I mean, yeah. if we had... Yeah. Arkansas and I don't know who 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 you have Arkansas and Mississippi maybe I don't know imagine we would I mean you can only go up twelve percent but it would be it would be higher think about the quotes after the game I must champ and a couple of his players I actually tuned in and and listened to to some of the South Carolina post game and it was across the board they were just saying they just leaned on us they wore us down I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Prather Hudson is getting carries in a fourth quarter of an SEC game because. I think there were four guys that had over 30 yards rushing, including our uh, suspended James Cook, who did pretty good job just kind of salting it away in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, with those two lines of scrimmage being just completely dominated by Georgia, you kind of wonder who can survive the leaning on that Georgia is going to do on, on both sides of the line of scrimmage going forward. Yeah, this this is another fun thing about this, too, is like this is – if this is one, what happens when you have one of the three games that people were worried about? <laughs> like, if this is what happens, you you have to feel so so good moving forward. I mean, that's what I mean. If I'm if I'm Will Muschamp, and it's funny you talked about how you know they they did just kind of sit on it uh, a little bit late. It's going to be fun in the coming years to find out which teams 
Kirby Smart and company sit on it late and which ones they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Muschamp, I think, is clearly going to always remain in that camp of he's he's going to sit on it late. Uh, but there's going to be a time where someone's going to have done something that angers uh, uh-huh. Georgia, and they're going to and Justin Fields is not going to be kneeling and handing the ball off uh, when that happens. I think that's that's the exciting thing about it. And it's funny now, you know, you look and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about this when we preview uh, the Middle State game again, but. Whew. Maybe Missouri. Missouri looked okay, uh, and they played such a different style. And they have a dude that's just going to throw like a, like seventy times if he has the opportunity. So it feels like that game could be kind of weird. But otherwise, LSU, Auburn. If Missouri is not a, if Missouri is not a big thing, we have another month before you even sweat anything. Uh, it's really kind of wild to think of how exciting last year was, and we spent all this time going, "Wow!" Like in our preview show, how exciting this was, how great this was, how much fun this is. Uh, and let's not forget that, and just in case we take a step back this year, this does not look like a team that's in any danger of taking a step back. Well, you don't don't forget about Kentucky on the road after what they did in the swamp yesterday. That's um, true. That's I would say that's somewhat tongue in cheek. Yes, you know, true. I think part of what is what. Honestly, the coaching staff is now facing is keeping focus. And then I just, I, what I really like to quote from, from uh, Scott, my takeaway there is that they've got the players' attention. They straight up have the players' attention. The, the trick is going to be carrying that forward into some of these games where, you, frankly, you, you have to have your A game. Um, and, and I think you're right, Will. I, I think that could be another month. Um, but it also – there's going to come a time where – we're going to have to rely on more than simply our our talent because we're not going to. I mean, you know, I don't think we have that big a talent gap with with Auburn, for example. And then LSU is always a hard place to play. Um, hopefully, it won't be 107 degrees. Hmm. But you know, that's this is part of that the, the year long final, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, with Kirby and the coaching staff is is keeping focus, being able to maintain over the course of the entire season. And when things don't go exactly your way for an entire game, as opposed to a four minute stretch in one quarter. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Missouri because that, that is two weeks away and with the way they do throw the ball around and, you know, I think preseason drew lock was kind of mentioned for, I don't know, either Heisman or he's going to be like a top 10 pick or something. But if Missouri puts it on Purdue this weekend, I would look for a similar, not as extreme, but a similar national buildup to, uh oh, look out, Georgia. Missouri's ready for you. Kind of what we experienced this past week with South Carolina. I just, I just think that they're going to try it, but maybe that's what they need. Uh, I mean, I, I frankly don't think that uh, the dogs need that kind of motivation because I do think the coaches have their attention. But I would just say look for that kind of uh, national buildup by the writers. Well, this is kind of the thing, right? Is you'll know when. Georgia has officially gone full Alabama when they no longer do that. Is when there's oh, yeah, no, no, that's a hundred percent. No. And that was exactly what I was thinking when Scott was talking a second ago is that you right now, there's still a lot of, well, but it's still Georgia. I mean, that was, frankly, that was a half the analysis. A lot of people said Georgia struggles in Columbia and early season games. And true that you can't argue with those stats, but the, there, there will come a point, and it might not be this season, but there will come a point if this continues, where where the where the national media is just going to show up. It's like, well, I guess Georgia's going to win this week, <laughs> which is exactly what they do with Alabama. Well, they need to look back on now historical data from the past three Kirby Smart coach games versus South Carolina because Georgia has outrushed the Gamecocks eight hundred forty three. 
to 127 in the past three years. And most amazingly, we had 271 rushing yards, no one with over 80 yards rushing. So we didn't have a we didn't have a hundred yard rusher. It, it it was so spread around, and that was just it is just oh my gosh, it's amazing. As you can tell, I was mm, ooey. That was <laughs> that was pure. That was, I mean, you know, to quote to quote long departed Bert, that was borderline erotic. <laughs> borderline erotic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, I honestly I've been talking way too much for someone that did not watch the second half live. What was the experience like? That kind of I was waiting for. I don't know if I was waiting for that specific line, Tony, but I was certainly waiting for that kind of idea of like what it was like to actually watch this game and realize, oh wow, this is it's, it may just keep being like this because again, this is a Kirby Smart team now, but now it's a young Kirby Smart team. Imagine when you stack another recruiting class on top of this one. This is what you wanted, right? Like you, every single time you play South Carolina and you have those road games, you're like, wow. And South Carolina, uh, they're not, they're, they never can match up with Georgia on talent, but when they play there, and boy, that EDM music is really irritating. Oh, it's so way. bad. <laughs> it's so very bad. irritating. Like it's, they might like, want to change that. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's so outdated. Yeah, I mean, like, college football is supposedly about, like, traditions and things that you pass down, and, like, they have a fight song, right? <laughs> like, you think something they could do there, but anyway, uh, but, like, whenever people, they, they always say, like, well, South Carolina's hard to play, it's so hot, it's in the junkyard, <laughs> and I feels like definitively now that's what this era is has come here to put it into. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is, and Scott, I don't know what your experience was during the game, but after the McKill Hardeman touchdown, it really felt like the game moved quickly. And part of that has to, has, has to do with Georgia had the ball the last 10 minutes with essentially a running clock, but it really did feel like the game went really quickly after that touchdown. I wouldn't say anticlimactic wasn't the right way of putting it because I certainly was climatic. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun to watch them do sandstorm with like 700 of their students still up in the stadium <laughs> and the only other people there were wearing red, not garnet. It was fun to watch the camera shots of Muschamp with the grim determination of, thank goodness the clock is running. It was fun to watch Prather Hudson break off a four-yard run and essentially not get hit until he was three yards into the run. That second half, I mean, I don't want to keep harkening back to Alabama, but I mean, they're the gold standard. We we kind of have been referencing them, and everybody does reference them. But that second half, and actually the first quarter, felt very Alabama-esque, and what however you wanted to define that, it just felt that way because I had zero jitters after um, Rodrigo hit that field goal going into halftime. I just kind of felt like, well, we got the ball starting the third quarter and South Carolina has really not shown anything. Jake Bentley threw 47 times in that game. I think Fromm threw what 18. And so I knew we were just going to hand it off to name the back and they're going to do an, an amazing job. I mean, that, that Holyfield touchdown, that drive was basically the man robbing drive of the game. Oh yeah. And, I mean, you know, like I love the Deandre Baker got his pick six. Walker had an incredible game. You know, if, if you want to pick, you can talk a little bit about and you know, give Brian McClendon some credit. I mean, he did a really good job of underneath throws. And that was where not having Roquan really hurt. Although in the second half, those plays were taken away too. I mean, Cox in particular stepped up. So, you know, the, the great part about it is there's still in, in that win, there's still some coachable moments. And that's one of the reasons I'm not too terribly concerned about them maintaining the focus because the coaches do have some things that they can, hey, that's, that's great. Let's get on the bus and go, go practice. I think we can all appreciate Prather Hudson human victory cigar. I think it's clearly yeah. reaching that point. Um, <laughs> and the last thing, I, I don't know because I was not able to watch the end of the game. 
Was there a moment where Will Muschamp went to Kirby Smart and said, you know, if you want to do just 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, uh, that would be okay? Because I'd like that to become a theme. <laughs> Scott, did you, did you tweet that? Somebody tweeted that, actually. He's like, I wonder if Muschamp's looking for Smart to talk about the running clock. <laughs> no, no, but that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's great. Well, gentlemen, uh, I think uh, we're, we're going to do the preview show ASAP, actually. Not like <laughs> right after this call, but tomorrow. And I will say that there are certain pivot games you know we talked about we didn't really learn anything about from the Austin P game and we won't we're going to learn a lot more now i think we learned a lot now and i think it's uh, it's a lesson that we're going to have probably not just the rest of the season but probably a lot of seasons moving forward all right guys well in that case go dogs go dogs And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back later this week with our Middle Tennessee State preview show. If you have a question you'd like to ask us, or if you have a comment, hit us up on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. And cruise on over to our website as well. We've got some relatively new content up on the blog and should have at least one more post up later this week as well. Bookmark WSLSPodcast.com to check it out. And I know you've heard us talk about T-shirts. We are down to our last 15 or so. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, you can find those over on our website as well. And that'll do it for episode 146. We certainly enjoy you stopping by. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you on campus this week for Georgia and Middle Tennessee State. It's a night game. <laughs> Go dogs. Hey, Tony, Tony, could you make your, could you make your phone sound a little bit better? Oh, just a little louder. Uh, you're, actually, you're actually just really quiet. Am I really? Is yeah, this a little better? That's better. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, you sound, you sound clear. You just sound very quiet. So, okay, so, better. Oh, not, not, don't, no. don't put your mouth right up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. This, this, got, this turned into a scene phone call for a second.